Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Memorial Day, it's the start of summer. Oh, yeah. I'm ready for it. Are you? Yes, I'm completely ready As for it. As if I had to ask. Yes. No, it's, uh, I didn't love summer when I was a kid. What? Because I liked school. <sighs> well, I didn't live by anybody. You were always weird. I, no, I, 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 I was pretty weird. but well, I, I loved school too, but I loved summer too. I didn't live by anybody. So for me, summer was like, well, I'm see my friends every once in a while and like hang out and play video games or something like that. But as an adult... Uh, I find that I hate winter and love summer. Like I don't, oh, I don't get those warm feelings when people, you know, when people on the coast tell you they miss the seasons. <laughs> you know, they should shovel my car <laughs> and see how they feel. So, but it's so character building, Mike. Yeah, I, I just, I have plenty of character the way I am. Or I, I guess just because I am a character doesn't mean I have character. So, <laughs> that's enough. Thank you, Quentin Tarantino, for I can steal that line from you. Oh, my goodness. But anyway, hope everybody had a really great weekend and enjoyed themselves. I hope they had a bunch of vegan barbecue and a good time uh, when they're out there drinking beers with their friends. And of course, we salute the, the lost for whom this holiday was created. Yes. Yeah, for everybody who got left behind. And that kind of is the theme of this podcast, actually. Uh, is we, we're going to talk to someone who talks to people on the other side and the messages that they have for you. But we've got a live message from someone. What? Yeah. So who's not dead? Uh, at least I don't think so. Uh, in our iTunes this week. It's a five yeah. It's a five star review. That's my favorite kind, Mike. Yeah, that's, that is the only kind of review uh, that we read <laughs> on the air. So five star reviews do get read on the air on iTunes. And this is from Shaggy from Pear Unnormal guys. Shaggy says, Y'all rock, five stars. This is an awesome podcast that combines rock music and the paranormal. Highly recommended. Awesome. Thank you, Shaggy. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Shaggy. And it looks like Shaggy is part of the Paraholics Paranormal Investigation Team. I'm just looking at their website and it it says uh, consumed by 100 proof. Oh, nice. So I like that. I think. so where's the, well, what's the website? We can give them a plug for the five-star review. Yeah, uh, it's perunormalguys.com. P-A-I-R-U normalguys.com. Okay, make sure to check them out. Thank you, Shaggy. Y'all, Thanks, Shaggy. We think y'all rock too. So the interview this week, um, a very interesting woman, Massachusetts, Linnea Starr. And um, Wendy, did you ever watch Crossing Over with John Edward? Uh, I think I saw a couple episodes, yeah. I used to watch, well, you know, in, in our song, Scott Bakula, you talk about how I used to watch Quantum Leap every night. With your girlfriend? At, at the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so 11 p.m. was Quantum Leap, but 10 p.m. was crossing over with John Edward. <laughs> okay. So I, you probably caught the end of it a few times. Oh, I, I watched the full thing. I, I, it was uh, the sci-fi till I fell asleep. So crossing over with John Edward come out at 10 o'clock, and... You know, I'd never really seen that kind of thing. And, and so what John Edward does is that he goes to the crowd and finds somebody that says, hey, I think I've got a message for you. And says like, well, I'm, I'm getting like an A, I'm getting a B, you know, I'm, I'm getting some you know message. And kind of narrows it down to probably somebody in your family 
that wanted to communicate with you. And so that's what Linnea does. And, and you know, I always think that's an interesting thing. Uh, that's something that, I mean, James the Amazing Randy was always, you know, debunking skeptical. that. Yeah, skeptical, of course. But, you know, debunking that as far as yeah. saying it's uh, the parlor tricks and mesmerism and, and that kind of thing. But, you know, I, I do think that as long as uh, people kind of use their powers for good instead of evil, like it's, I don't, to me, getting some kind of message that somebody on the other side cares about you or somebody that you loved in your life, you know, gives you a little hope and a nice feeling and a, a nice little memory in there. Wait, but what if the message isn't nice? That's true. What if it's like, it's cold over here, <laughs> I'm alone and sad. Well, that's the whole point, is that people like Linnea come through and they give you the message that it may not be cold and sad. But she, not, all, nice. not all messages are positive, and that's something we talk about in the episode. Okay. Well, I'm intrigued. Yeah. So Linnea Starr, a very interesting woman, and uh, well, we go through her history and her life of talking to dead people. Joining us today on the line is psychic medium Linnea Starr, who's going to tell us a little bit about her conversations with the other side. Welcome, Linnea. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you so much. I enjoy the opportunity to educate, entertain, and enlighten, and I'm thrilled to be able to share my gift with your listening audience. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You bet. Well, well, we should start with to tell people what exactly your gift is. So, Linnea, tell us a little bit about what you do. Yes, thank you. I communicate with the other side. Clear audience, clairvoyance. I'm gifted with prophecy. I see the past, the present, the future. And many of my things seem to come true. So I'm able to bring somebody back for you and give you evidentiary information about yourself or them that I wouldn't know. So it's a very beautiful blessing, and, you know, I do like to share it with everyone. My message always is the soul is eternal. That's what I'm trying to show. You're talking to us today from Massachusetts. Are you from Massachusetts originally? Yes, I was born and raised in Boston. I've always lived my life here. So uh, this is my, you know, my community, and I, I love it. I do travel. I've done events, you know, outside of the New England area, but Boston is my home base. Okay. So you were mentioning that you hear things and you see, you said, you know, clairaudience, clairvoyance and see things. Let's get into a little, what was your first experience that you remember that uh, you feel that you were reached out and, and, you know, somebody from the other side decided to reach out and touch someone and that someone was you? Yes, I was a little girl. I was about four and a half and my grandmother was getting remarried and I didn't go to the wedding, but I was at her reception at her new home. And I went upstairs with one of her stepchildren, and the stepdaughter kind of left me alone in her room, and a lady appeared to me. And the lady said, my name is Mary Elizabeth. Your grandmother just married, you know, my husband. She's now the earth mother of my four children. And she told me that she had died of a uh, spinal cancer problem. And my grandmother happened to walk by the room, and she said, who are you talking to? So I explained it to her, and she said, actually... All of that is true. That is the lady's name that passed away. She did die from that illness. And my grandmother felt that I was tapping into the other side because my great-grandmother had been gifted. She had been very, very uh, well-known in the community of seeing things. And so the family knew what I was doing early on, and they encouraged me, and they were very nurturing of it. Wow. So nobody freaked out or anything, and it was like, hey, you've got to stop that kind of stuff. No, actually, they were quite supportive. My mother and my grandmother were intuitive, but not as 
I was, and I knew my great grandmother briefly just for a few years, and she seemed to feel from seeing me and hearing what I was saying and, and listening, she said, this little one will have the gift that I have. And she was right because here I am. So thank you, great grandma. She was right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that's a pretty sweet gift. Were you scared? I mean, I feel like someone comes up to you. Did it look like just, uh, you know, like it could have been anybody? Like, did, were they, you know, was she uh, transparent? Did she have a sheet over her head? Um, great question. No, she was kind of nebulous. You could kind of see through her. And I find in my work when I am doing this, they will appear to me on occasion. Most of the time I hear it, clear audience, but there are times that I see them. And as you speak to them, the presence becomes more visible. As you're talking to them and their energy is, you know, um, recapitulating, somehow the image seems to get more intense as I'm speaking with them. And that's what happened when I was a little girl. And the lady pointed to a picture on the wall and she said, that's me as a younger woman. And when my grandmother, you know, did come in and talk to me, I said, is that a picture of that lady on the bureau over it? She said that was her when she was just about to get married right around her engagement. So I do see them. And they look um, pretty lifelike as they get to be more concrete images. And, you know, it is kind of exciting because you know you're making a very spiritual connection and that the soul is trying to communicate with you. Do you see people when they have a specific message or are they like wandering around? Because everybody wonders about the afterlife. Well, you know, is it going to be, you know, do they come to you or people that, you know, know you? Uh, with a specific, like, hey, you got to tell my grandson this thing, and then you got to go find her, you know, grandson or something. Or sometimes you just see spirits just like, hey, how did I get here? And I can't believe you can see me. Well, yeah, that's another great observation. I do a lot of interactive events. You know, I do interactive dinner theater. I do charity events. Tomorrow night I have a group of 150 people for a charity, and I'll probably do about 35 of them. Um, that's more entertaining, but I am showing you the validity of what my gift is. In my smaller groups, my seminars, my workshops, my private events, I will get specific people, you know, that are anonymous to me that have things to say. And recently there was a lady that came to me. It was her daughter that I was speaking with, and she told me to tell her she was having twins. And the woman looked at me. She was um, five weeks pregnant. Nobody knew. And she said, they are twins, but my mother wouldn't know that. I said, but your mom does, and they'll be born on Halloween, and they're girls. Sure enough, uh, Halloween weekend, two little baby girls were born in southern Massachusetts, just as the mother had told me. So I think the family was very thrilled that a deceased member of the family could come back and give something that was evidentiary, and that, and that came true. So that was a nice, that was a nice connection. As you grew up, so it starts, you're four and a half years old, and then um, does, is this something you started experiencing every day or was it just every few weeks or, or was it just random? I mean, was there a purpose and was there like a time frame that things started happening to you? It was frequent. And what my family was very concerned about was they didn't want me to be ridiculed or bullied because I was different. You just knew that. So we kind of kept it mostly within the family. I think, you know, early on they were saying to me, share with us what you hear, tell us your dreams, share what you feel. And I think they were just trying to protect me until I was old enough as an adult to be able to deal with the outside world. Because, you know, not everybody's accepting of this 
especially then, more so now, thank goodness. But I'm just going to say, I think they were just trying to protect me and not have me unduly hurt by people that might not have understood the sensitivity of what I could do. Well, and the other thing I'm thinking of is that, I mean, in Boston particularly is a very Catholic city. And I'm, this, is pro- this is probably on my mind because we just had an episode about the Blessed Virgin of, of Fatima. Fatima, right, Fatima, yeah. And, um, but it, it seems to me that, you know, that usually the Catholic Church isn't, you know, doesn't like give a thumbs up to psychic powers. You know, you're right. And I am a Catholic. I'm a practicing Christian, a practicing Catholic. And there is a section, a factor of the church. It's called mysticism. And there are certain people, you know, not saints, I'm not, and I don't mean a saint, but someone who has been touched by the hand of God that is able to give you the information that is valid. And it's written in scripture that if you can tell a stranger something or it comes true for them, you're channeling the divine realm because that's the only place that it would come from. You're channeling, you know, God in heaven. And I do believe my gift is God given to me, and it's always supposed to be used in the highest form of communication. And I think what I'm trying to show you is that your human body is temporary. Your energy, the soul spirit that you are given, goes back to the Creator at the time that you know we're called home. But that doesn't mean that your loved ones can't come back and communicate with you through my gift and through dreams to the to the relative and through other signs that they might be able to um, understand and identify as coming from the spirit world. But you're right. Sometimes organized religion hasn't really smiled upon this gift, and that's sad because it's so spiritual because you're bringing back, you know, someone who's gone home to God. It's a very strong, you know, um, religious connection because, you know, all of us are born, we're given a gift of life, and then when our lives have been completed, we're called home. And I think I'm just trying to show you that the soul is more than willing to try to communicate to let you know eternal life is, is genuine. Well, and this is something I'm wondering about, too. So if you get to talk to you know people who've passed on from the other side, do they ever say like, hey, this religion is right or this religion is wrong? Or like, oh, my God, I totally could have had shellfish. Like, I can't believe that I did that for so long. So do you ever get any messages like that? Or is it just like, you know what? The soul is eternal and the humans make up the rules. But in the end, God loves you and everything's cool. Well, I'm going to say that I think any foundation of faith that you might have been taught or if you have found a foundation of faith on your own, I often encourage people to hold firm to that because life is so beautiful. There isn't just one interpretation. There's a kaleidoscope of interpretations of of God and and his um, beautiful powers. But I'm going to say I think faith is sight unseen, and you need to have a foundation of faith to help us through the rough times. Life is so beautiful, and we know that, but there, there are times that we need to hold on to something to get us through a rough patch. And I'm going to say, I think any religion that you have, you know, gravitated towards, any religion that you feel a comfort zone in, I would um, tell you to embrace that and just know that every religion um, will all meet each other on the other side, whether you are Jewish, Hindu, Buddhist, Christian, you're all going to find each other on the other side because it's a God that we all recognize, whatever you know, uh, particular faith you might follow. We all know there's a supreme power, and that is where we will find ourselves after our earthly time is over. Okay. That was just something I always wonder about because it's like, you know, if somebody comes back from the other side, they're like, oh my God, the Seventh-day Adventists were right. I should have, you know, I should have thought about this. So it's good, you know, that's good to know that, hey, 
it's uh, as long as you're a good person and, you know, uh, keep your, you know, that faith isn't a bad thing. Um, you know, one thing I'm wondering about as you're growing up, now I keep on thinking about, you know, having these kind of experiences uh, when you're a kid. And, and so if it starts at four and a half, right around the time the memory starts, and it's probably something you, you felt you've always had. But as you're going and you become a teenager and everything, did you ever like talk to somebody on the other side with boy trouble or, uh, you know, try to affect the outcome of a sporting event or something? I, I feel that if I was a teenager and I had access to this, the knowledge and things like that, I would use my powers for maybe not evil, but maybe in a selfish way. Were you ever tempted or did you ever have a chance to do something like that? You know, that's an interesting um, observation as well. My father um, was kind of quiet about all of this because, you know, his uh, wife and mother-in-law and grandmother-in-law were very much involved with me. But he sat me down. And there's nothing he can get away with. And you're right. He's right. <laughs> they're going to know. know. It's funny. And um, he sat me down when I was about ready to make my confirmation. And he said to me, he said, you know, you have something very special. It's a blessing. And, you know, I kind of knew that, but he said, I need you to focus on only using it for good things, the highest level that you can achieve. And so early on from the age of 13, you know, when I was a little more attuned to it, I knew that it was something good that I should use for good. And um, I can tell somebody else when they're going to win money. I've had many clients that have hit, you know, on scratch tickets or at Foxwood Casino. Uh, I can't do it for myself. I can't do it for myself, unfortunately. So I think that's probably in the game of things. It's probably a better situation that I just help others with what I can see around them. And the thing is, I always knew that it was very special and I, I treasure it. I treasure it. It's something very important to me and it's me. It's how I live my life. And, you know, I just feel that anyone with a gift such as this is should always use it to benefit others and to help humanity. And as you were, uh, you were just talking about when you were getting ready for confirmation. And I think I, I confirmed when I was 17. So what year did you guys do it? I was, uh, I was almost 14. Where okay. I lived, they did it when you were 14 or 15 years old. So it's, you know, it's something you usually do when you're a teenager, at least so you can make the decision yourself, they say. Even though if I didn't get confirmed, my mother would kill me. Uh-huh. <laughs> but as you're doing it, did you ever, I mean, when you revealed it to your close friends or your boyfriends or anything like that. Was there ever a moment where uh, you had to prove it to them where they were just like, come on, get out of here. And then you're like, no, your uncle is sitting there looking over your shoulder. And then you described them. How did that affect your interpersonal relationships when you were developing? No, that's another great question because sometimes I would hide it. I did not want my peers to know, you know, exactly what this was. You know, I didn't think they'd understand it, and I knew how spiritual it was. And you know, when you're a teenager, you want to fit in. Well, you don't want to be called Looney Linnea, you know? <laughs> Let's right. know. You're right, yeah, yeah. And then um, I had come home from Christmas holiday when I was about 14. I came in the house, and I told my father. I said, guess what? And he said, what? And I'm going to change the names of the people I'm using. I said, Mr. Jordan is going to marry Mrs. Pellegrini. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, they're going to leave the school and they're going to divorce their respective husband and wife and they're going to marry each other. And he said, did you tell anybody about this? I said, yeah, the boss. He said, don't do that. Don't tell anybody about this. Well, we went back to school after vacation, as everyone does. And they had an assembly hall and they announced that those two teachers had left the school system 
and we'd have substitutes until June. They later divorced their respective spouses and they got married. And my seventh grade class freaked out. They were like, oh my God. So <laughs> Yeah, you called it. <laughs> I did, yeah. So you kind of kept it close, you know, close to your vest as as you were growing up, except when you revealed to your seventh grade class your psychic powers. That's great. <laughs> right. But a- as you went on, you know, when did you decide to make the move to become a professional here? Because there, there really is a big, there's a jump from like feeling this stuff and having it at home and helping out your family and friends right. to yeah. making a move yeah. to becoming a professional, because that especially in this society and everything like that, you got, you know, people that are really up against you and challenging you. And so making this move to become what I call as myself, you know, and some of my friends, professional weirdos, like to move into this world, um, what made you decide to do it? Like what inspired that? Yeah, there was an epiphany. What happened was my mother became ill, sadly, and she went into a coma. And, you know, she was relatively young. She was 73, I think. And the doctors were very nice, but they said to us, listen, you know, it doesn't look like there's going to be a gift of life again. And they said, we can go one more night with this. She was on a lot of life support and tools and everything. And, you know, no one wants anyone to live like that, but then nobody wants anyone to die either. So there was a new saint out of Pennsylvania that had been canonized and I had heard about her. St. Catherine Drexel out of Pennsylvania, then Salem, Pennsylvania. So I petitioned her in the chapel and I said, you know, I don't know who you are. I don't want to know who you are. I said, if you can give my mother back to me, please give my mother back to me. I will do the mediumship the way it was intended. I will make it my life's work. I will mention you whenever I am able to. And I just ask you to please hear my prayer and give my mother back to me. Well, by then um, they had called a priest for the last rites and my mother was given the last rites and I called out to her and I said, open your eyes, move your hands. And she did. But the doctor said, you know, that's a reflex. And I said, you know, I know you're a scientist and I'm not, I'm a spiritualist. And I believe she heard me and I stayed until 6 a.m. And then I had to go home. I was exhausted. And the doctor said, I'll call you if there was any change. And about an hour later, my phone rang and it was him. And I said, did I lose her? He said, come back. He said, she woke up and she's calling for you. We have some hope here. I flew back to the hospital. I jumped out of the car. I ran down to the ICU. I walked in. She was sitting up in bed. Most of the tubes were out. And I said, hi, hi. And she said, you called me back. She whispered it. And I said, I did. She said, I just reached dad. I said, okay. She said, and he heard you too. And he said, go back to her. She needs you more than I do. I had my mother for five more years. It was a miracle. So you owed it to St. Catherine Drexel. I thanked her and I said, if you keep your promise to me, I will always keep my promise to you as long as I walk the face of the earth. And since that miracle of my mother, I have honored the prayer petition that was answered to me, and I I will continue to do that for the rest of my life because Catherine Drexel heard my prayer and my mother was restored to us for five more years, which was against all odds. It it was just incredible. Even the doctor that um, took care of her said to me, he said, everybody in this hospital knows that was a miracle. She wasn't supposed to wake up, but she did. And she had a near-death experience at the same time, too. So you have a couple of amazing things. Like, number one, you have your, your prayer working, um, answered. And then right. number two, 
your mother has a near death experience. Right. And now it sounds like she, now your father had already passed at this time? Yes, he passed about eight years before my mother. And between that time, did you ever have like him come back? Or like him have messages had, for your mom or anything? Yeah, I yeah, I had dreams of my dad. There were things he would, you know, kind of let me know. I could feel his presence. It's very hard to have the gift work for yourself. You can do it for other people, but it's almost it's kind of difficult to do it for yourself. But I get signs from the other side. I get visits that are more like apparitions. And I could feel my father very strongly around uh, my mother, especially when she became ill. I knew that my father's presence was right there trying to um, guide her and, and to help her. And, you know, it was beautiful that she was able to substantiate that she saw my father at the gate of heaven and that he heard me calling my mother back and he said, go back. So my mother, I think, knew my father would be there eventually. And sadly, you know, she stayed for five years and passed away five years later, but that was the greatest gift I ever got. I got it, I got to have her for five more years. You know, one thing I'm interested in coming from, from your perspective is a lot of times when we talk about ghosts, you know, the, the idea of ghosts and the legends of ghosts is already, it's a spirit that doesn't want to move on, or it's a right. spirit that's stuck with some kind of unfinished business kind of thing. And now, do you find when you talk to these entities that they're, in heaven already, or they're on the other side, wherever wherever they go, and they're coming back to send a message, or that they have to send the message before they go wherever they're gonna go, and they can't come back once they, you know, fully go. So I says, you know, go towards the light. All right, well, what's on the other side of the light? And so I'm kind of wondering, when people see a ghost, or we have legends of unfinished business and everything, where do you kind of stand on that? Again, another observation that I, I think is very, very relevant. I'm going to say that you're given a guiding angel, whatever religion you are, from the moment of your birth. And then when your loved ones go to glory, sometimes they elect to remain behind because their work isn't done and they want to be a strong connection to you. So I'm going to say in that regard, I think you can make the choice to stay with someone or to go on to the next level of your development. With the Ghostbuster thing, which is very, very um, interesting, I think you've come across a spirit that might not know how to cross over to the light. Or again, sometimes where there's been a crime or great sadness, that sometimes will capture the energy of the individual involved and they don't know how to leave. They don't know how to break free. So I would put it into two categories. You know, the ghost busting, when you find the energy of someone that hasn't moved on, that doesn't know how, or they're holding on to a memory, or the loved one, husband, spouse, you know, family member that goes to heaven but wants to stay behind because the person on earth still really needs that connection. So I would say I kind of put it in two categories based on, you know, where the spirit energy is coming from. If it's coming from the ghost end of it, the apparition, sometimes there are mediums that will go into different houses and they will help a spirit make the crossover. If there's been a crime, a fire, an accident, they'll sometimes go in and try to help that individual bridge that gap and go right to glory. And, you know, sometimes I think that's what they're waiting for. They need somebody to kind of guide them to go to paradise. Have you ever been to a place where, you know, because sometimes it'll be like, oh, it's just a confused spirit, like where, where you go somewhere and the person doesn't know they're dead, like, and this is a spoiler alert for a 19-year-old movie, 
but like like in the sixth sense where Bruce Willis, like he doesn't know he's dead. And have you met anybody that you think, you know, that are a spirit that's just like, that doesn't realize that it's time to go? Yeah, that happened a few years ago. A friend of mine um, owned a home in Maine, which has a very strong Indian connection, as New England is known for. And she started to hear poltergeist activity and noises, things were moved, and her children heard it too. So I kind of tapped into it, and I picked up the energy of a little Indian girl, and I dreamt of her. And in the dream, she said, I need to be remembered because something tragic happened to me. And she showed me she had two different colored eyes, a blue one and a green one. And she was with two warriors. And she kept saying the name Patricia was looking for me. Patricia was looking for me. So I advised this friend to contact the native elders in that part of Maine. And they came to the house and they wanted to meet with her. And the children were in school. And the elders of the Indian tribe wanted to know if I was an Indian person or if I lived in the area, and I don't. And so she explained the situation. And the older gentleman said, in the 50s, there was a young Indian girl, about eight or nine years old, walking home through that area. And she was attacked and assaulted. And they didn't find her. They threw her, sadly, in the lake nearby. And her grandmother was Patricia. And she was trying to find this child. And then um, the Indian elder said, by the way, the thing about the two different colored eyes, this little girl had a blue eye and a green eye. And so I had made a very strong connection to this little one. And I feel maybe she was earthbound because of the tragedy and the fact that she wanted to be released through a remembrance ceremony. So the elders did a, a house blessing and they did, you know, some beautiful Indian Native American uh, techniques. And when they came downstairs, there's a guest room and there's a quilt on the bed. And when they came down to leave, the quilt had a little heart, like somebody took their finger and made a heart outline on it. Mm-hmm. That wasn't there when they went upstairs. And the elder uh, tribesman felt that was a little girl thanking them for their um, endeavors. And family never heard anything else after that. It seemed to have quieted down, and we feel the little girl's spirit was released to heaven. Well, that's nice, and that's good for the family, too, because then they don't have to, you know, have weird poltergeist activity in their house anymore. Yeah, it was kind of, the kids were getting frightened, and that's when this friend of mine said, do you pick up anything? And, you know, I did, and the place is three hours away from where I live, so I think the little girl just wanted to have that ceremony to allow her spirit to have peace which um, sadly I hope that she found on the heavens plane what she wasn't able to find on the earth plane. She was nine years old. Hmm. Well, it's always a tragedy when anybody goes so young. Have you found a difference then between adult and children's spirits? So, you know, we talk a lot about reincarnation and, you know, how some, you know, souls are older than others and some souls are newer than others. So when you, you know, a child's spirit, like once it passes... You figure if it's been reincarnated, it's not really a child, or the spirit's not really a child. The spirit is, you know, something that's been around through several lives, if you ascribe to the reincarnation thing. So I was just wondering, the difference between children's spirits and adult spirits, and have you had uh, any reincarnation kind of either like, yeah, it's totally reincarnation, or no, we're all kind of new souls? I'm going to say that I do also feel there is reincarnation possibilities. 
I think you have to want to come back. And I think your loved ones have to ask you to come back. I don't think it happens randomly. And the Hindu religion and the Buddhist religion really emulate reincarnation. And they talk about it with children, adults, whatever. And I have had a couple of instances recently where um, a soul spirit person said that they want to come back as a grandchild in the family. And I did say to one of the guests, I said, your mother is telling me that you have asked her to come back as a granddaughter. And she said, that is my wish. And there is a granddaughter being born, even as we speak, the babies do this week. And my feeling was that this grandmother that I was bringing back, the mother is my client. I really feel that as the child, you know, grows and gets to be verbal, this little one is going to make some connections to let my client know that this is her mother who has returned. Sometimes they'll come back with the same birthmarks that the living person had. Sometimes they'll come back with the same eye color, the same mannerisms. And there's a great story out there, which was proven in India. It's about a young woman named Shanta Devi. And she was born in 1922. And she began to tell people she didn't belong in this family that she was born to. And they encouraged her to be open about it. She was so insistent that she came from another town that when she was eight years old, they took her to that town and they blindfolded her in the vehicle. When they got to the town that she had mentioned, Mutra, she, they took the blindfold off and she pointed out her house. She said, that's the house that I lived in. It used to be white. Now it's yellow. They knocked on the door and a man answered the door and the little girl called him a nickname. And the husband said that was the nickname my wife, my deceased wife used to call me. She died 15 years ago. Now he brought the children in the room and she knew all the children, but she didn't know the last one. That was the child she had died giving birth to. And finally, um, villagers went and got the parents of this lady that had died and they didn't tell the little girl who they were and they brought them into the kitchen and the little girl cried and she ran to the woman and said you are my true mother don't let them take me away from you um as time went on she did not forget her past life experience and the families stayed connected throughout their lives they seemed to feel that she was the return of the mother who had died in childbirth. She died, I think, in the 1990s. She lived a very long life, and she was interviewed many times, and she said, you know, the memory was from the moment she knew who she was. She knew she had another birth connection in another town in India that was about 500 miles away from where she lived. So there has been documentation. I do believe it's possible. In some instances, the child remembers the past life, but by the time they reach puberty, it starts to dim and they forget Mm -hmm. it. So um, very interesting subject, you know, and um, the documentation is fascinating. But it's not something that you regularly, uh, you don't get like messages like, hey, I'm coming, you know, don't worry, I'll be, I'm coming back as your niece in a couple years, so don't sweat it. Like it's, it's not something you get regularly? Just um, on the occasion of parents, you know, older parents talking to children who are in their 40s or 50s and saying, you know, um, the next baby that comes into the family, it's going to have a strong connection to me. And this was recent with this lady in um, a private area. I went to see her and I said, you know, that's what I'm hearing. Did you ask your mother this? She said, before you came, I said, please let me know that you know 
that I've asked you to come back is this new little granddaughter that's being born this week. So on a few occasions, I have had that connection. And you have to wait and see if the child that comes starts to display the information that would let you know that it's your, your reincarnation of your relative. So you have to give it a little time. Well, I think in your field, you know, you, you get to do a lot of things where you make people feel good. And you get to say things to them that offer a lot of comfort and help them out. And, you know, they get that feeling of like, okay, maybe I'll see my dad again. Or, you know, maybe I'll see my, my, my child again. How is it when you don't get the right message for the person? Or you're not, or something's not coming through? Or they want to talk to somebody who isn't? Like, how do, you, how do you deal with somebody who's hoping to get a message from somebody that isn't answering the phone when you call? Well, you kind of alert your audience to the fact that you will get something for them. There isn't a guarantee. You know, you can't guarantee it. And I I think people understand that. They can hope, and and I hope, too, that you get the right connection. But recently, I had a family reach out to me because they had lost a daughter. And what happened was I was on the phone with a woman who wanted to book a party with me. And I said, why am I picking up a little girl? She said, what? I said, it's a little girl. She said, a friend's little girl died Thanksgiving weekend. I said, well, she's singing happy birthday to me. It was December 4th when this lady called. And the reason I remembered, she called me back a couple of hours later and said, the little girl that died at Thanksgiving, her birthday's tomorrow, December 5th. She'd be um, 11. And I kept seeing a pink tutu and ballet shoes hanging in the air And the woman said she was a dancer. And when they had the wake for the little girl, they hung up her tutu and her ballerina shoes on the side of the uh, casket memorial. So the parents called me a few days later because, you know, I don't know them. And the little girl kept showing me a pink elephant. It was a little plush elephant. And the father said, I'm holding it. That was her first toy. I'm holding this elephant. And I did have a message for them. I kind of deferred on it because it's too soon for them to hear it. And I do feel there's another child, another sister, a sibling. And I do feel that that sibling is going to marry. You know, she's only like, I think, 12. But when she marries, I think her first little girl is going to be this little girl coming back. But I didn't think the family, it was too soon to say that, that the child just died Thanksgiving. And the little girl showed me an elephant tattoo. When I got to the house, I, I met them a few weeks later, and the mother lift up, lifted up her sweatshirt. She got a tattoo of an elephant in near her elbow because the little girl loved elephants. Her name was Ella. Oh, that's a—I you know. mean, it's such a such a sad thing. And know. you know, and and that's something else. I feel that a lot of the people that probably when it's not just you know. I mean, I remember watching Crossing Over with John Edward. I used to watch it every night when I was on Sci-Fi. I was, right, you know, 16 right, to 17 sure. years ago. And uh, yeah. I think John Edward's actually going to be in my town here in, in, in Madison, okay. Wisconsin, uh, this week. Yeah, very gifted, yeah. But, you know, with that show, I, I remember, you know, there's the people who kind of just show up and, uh, you know, they, they don't know what they're going to get. And there's the people who, you know, have something they, they really want to hear from on the other side. And I just came on thinking that, you hear a lot of sad stories all the time. You know, it like right. every day uh, as somebody who gets these visions and who, you know, um, you are going to be asked by other people 
Um, they're going to tell you their story or they're going to ask you about it. They're going to challenge you. And what kind of toll does that take on you emotionally as someone who has to hear sad stories all the time? Like, can you only watch Disney movies at home or something? Like, how do you cope with that? Well, the thing that's another great observation, there's a lot of skepticism out there. And I'm probably one of the only ones in the field, the metaphysical mediumship field, that mentions God. A lot of them do not, and I mention Christ because I do follow Christ, and not everyone does, and I know that, but that's where I'm getting my gift from, and I have a lot of skeptics that challenge me, and it goes with the territory. There's nothing you know, you can do to change it. I make light of it, and I often just use humor to diffuse the situation because they can be pretty belligerent, especially when you're doing a great big group and people are eating and drinking. You know, by the end of the night, everyone's you know, had a glass of wine or a few other, um, actually spirits and, you know, they're blurring the line between reality and, you know, the spirit world. But recently I was out in the parking lot near where I have an office and there was a man looking at my car. I have a Kia Soul and he said, I'm going to get one for my wife. I really like it. It's good on gas and it's a wonderful car and I love the name of it. And he laughed and he said, are you Linnea? And I said, yeah, how do you know? He said, one of my friends saw you at an event. He said, and I looked up your website. He said, but you wouldn't want to speak to me. I don't believe in anything. And I said, well, you know, there has to be a reason for that. And he told me that 34 years ago, his son sadly had died very violently. And he said, my wife and I really don't think there's anything after this. And I shook hands with him and I said, I'm very sorry. And he started to walk to his truck, and I said, wait a minute. And he turned around, I said, it's Matthew. Matthew's talking to me. He said, that's my son. That's my son. And he grabbed my hand and almost broke it. He said, but you couldn't know that. I said, but Matthew knows that. I said, isn't it ironic that you're talking to me about my Kia Soul, the car, and your son's soul came back? His daughter later wrote to me. She emailed me and said, you've changed his life. He's starting to be very much more open to the fact that you couldn't have known that. You don't know him. And I opened a door for him. And that allows him to walk through and maybe realize that it was his little boy trying to say, but dad, but dad, she couldn't know my name. And the look on his face was very much like, are you familiar with the miracle worker from Helen Keller when her hand is under the water pump and they're pumping it to try to tell her that this is language for water and you see patty duke's face freeze and she says the word water that's what this gentleman's face looked like he froze and he grabbed me and cried and i cried too because how could you not cry sure you know this was something so visceral to him and he had his wife on the phone and he kept saying you won't believe this you won't believe this i gotta tell you i gotta tell you and i shook his hand and i said i hope that i helped you And I got in my car and I drove away. And I think that I did. A chance encounter over a car discussion gave this man a beautiful validation of his son, Matthew. Well, I mean, that's that's his lucky day. (laughs) I guess, you know, really is. And, you know, when I think about things like this and your life in particular, so when you talk about dreams and hearing things and seeing things, is it something you can kind of shut out every once in a while? Like sometimes don't you just want to be uh, Linnea like when you're on a date or watching a movie or, you know, just living your life? Like how do you kind of, well, shut it out? 
Yeah, you have to really temper it because it's constant. What I find is I do, I, I walk the beach, I walked it yesterday. You kind of meditate just to get some solitude because it is, it is constant. And if I go into big crowds, I'm inundated with stuff and not everyone is open to giving a message. You know, you really have to know when to hold back because you don't want to upset anybody. But I find that when I can meditate and when I can focus on the task at hand, um, I can save my energy because otherwise it would eat you alive because they all want to contact everyone. And naturally they just want you to know that they're okay, that they're still connected to you with light and love and they watch over you. And I'm, I'm very circumspect. I don't give messages to everyone because sometimes they're not appreciated. I did feel that this man would appreciate it because he had shared with me the sad story of his young boy. And I hope that, you know, and I know that I helped him because the daughter wrote to me and called me and said it really made a difference. But some strangers don't even give it a second thought. They don't want to know. And you'll find that in a group. I recently did a group where I was getting names and dates and everything, and nobody reacted. They just sat there like this was common. And, you know, you work the room, you do the best you can, and the one who got the most out of it was the uh, lady who booked it. It was her daughter getting married, and she's named, the daughter's named for a grandmother who died before she was born. And the grandmother kept standing near the young bride-to-be, and she said, I want her to wear my pearls. And I said that. And the mother of the bride-to-be said, I have the pearls. She wants her to wear them. I said, well, it's just something old, you know, something borrowed. So at the end of the night, the lady came up to me and she said, nobody knows that I've been asking my daughter to wear these pearls that belong to my mother. I said, well, it was your beautiful mother who's been gone 30 years. And she was telling her namesake, please wear the pearls that I wore in your wedding. And that will have me, you know, be a energy presence. A lot of people don't realize that when you wear the jewelry of someone who, you know, passed away or they gave you their jewelry, you know, a piece of jewelry, when you wear jewelry connected to a loved one, it still has a little bit of their energy in it. So you're actually keeping their aura within your own vibration. And it's a good luck thing. So I often tell people, if you have, you know, an amulet that belonged to someone, a watch, earrings, a necklace, Try to wear it on a constant basis because that keeps the energy of your loved one within your own energy field. And when somebody's appearing to you or when, when you can hear them, do you, like, so let's say if you close your eyes, could you tell it in a crowded room or something, could you tell a difference between a spirit talking to you and a person talking to you? And I, I know that's, that might be weird because the spirit might be like, hey, I'm dead and I got a message for somebody. But I'm thinking about like how you receive the message. So like, what's, okay, what's, the phys- um, what's the physicality of it? Like, do you hear it as you would hear like me talking to you in your ear in the phone, or do you hear it with a different sense? Okay, it's usually, thank you too, that's another great observation. I usually hear on my left side, my left side. For some reason, I feel, you know, a presence. I can sense something. And then they speak to me. And it's almost like, um, not a whisper, but it's, different than a regular conversation. You can tell that it's coming from someplace else. And I'm not saying it's um, nebulous. You can hear it, but it has a different, a different vibrational level. With animals, because I bring animals back, you know, animals have souls. Animal, animals sound like a robot. They have a monotone connection. So I know it's an animal. 
A human, I can tell if it's a female, a male, a child, by the vibrational level. It's just um, almost like a musical thing. I start to hear them speak, and it's on a higher vibration for me. So I know that it's not just a regular conversation in a room where I'm, I'm presenting something. I know it's coming from the spirit world. And is it just, you know, the, the you said animals, and that made me think, okay, so if, you know, you can communicate or, you know, the, the spirit, the energy of animals is coming back and saying something, which is funny that they sound like a robot. It's like, tell them thank you for all the treats. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but the idea that different things can communicate, so it's more than just humans that you can communicate with. Have you ever been contacted by an entity that wasn't earthbound or not, I mean, something that wasn't a human, something that wasn't an animal, something that may be different out there, like a spiritual, like a purely spiritual being, not uh, like a once living thing? Well, I'm going to say that's another, you know, great um, thought process. There are things out there that are not of the earth. We know that, you know, I know that, you know that. And I try to avoid that because I really, I'm not that well-versed on that kind of thing. And I think that not knowing what I should know about it, I would shy away from it. And I'll mention the Ouija board. You know, I've had people that have used the Ouija board and they've opened up a doorway to entities that really were not beneficial. So I'm going to say I try to protect myself with white light. I try to, you know, have a high vibrational around me. And I always open any event with a prayer to myself to guide me in the right direction, because I feel that it could go either way if you're not cognizant of that. Just as there's holy things out there and God-given things out there, as we know, there's also entities that are not um, conducive to good things. And I had worked in a prison uh, briefly and not the best place to work when you are gifted. And I had an inmate come in one day and he said to me, what are you doing here? And I said, I work. Were you like a guard in the prison or like uh, social work? I said social work. So social work. And he, yeah, social worker. And he said to me, you're a light worker. You shouldn't be in here. And I laughed and he said, you're, you're out of your environment. And I had to agree with him. And then he shared something with me. He said, you know, I don't do these things. I'm convicted of. And I said, okay. He said, something comes into me when he was high or when he was, you know, drunk. He said, there's a force that comes into me and makes me do these things. He said, I'm like under, under siege by this. And I knew what he meant. He meant that something that wasn't holy and wasn't beneficial was enticing him or encouraging him to do things that were not good. And, you know, I took the experience, it's very meaningful, so I try myself to avoid that and to always have protection and to know that um, the gift I have comes from God and it's very sacred to me and I try to avoid anything that might not be um, a beneficial entity, you know, within the context of myself and the context of my work. And that's why I won't do trance mediumship. There's many people out there that do trance mediumship, and I Wait, really what, what do you mean by what do you mean by trance mediumship? Oh, a trance medium is when um, the entity will enter your your vibration. It comes into your body and it speaks through you. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Edgar Casey. Oh, that's like a ch- prophet, like channeling. Okay. 
Channeling, right. Okay. And he would uh, channel a spirit that would give him information, and then he would be brought out of the channeling experience. I'm not really wanting to do that because my fear is once they're there, once you channel something within yourself, how do you get it to leave? They're in the host body now. Are they going to want to leave? So I, I don't allow that. And there's been a few opportunities where it's almost happened. They really want to come through your vocal cords. They want to come into your chakra energy. And I'm like, no, thank you. I'll, I'll be in control for myself. I'll, I'll handle it. So I, I don't allow that. That's pretty interesting, especially the idea that if it would be a non-human entity. Right. That was like, hey, let me just be human for a little bit. Like, of course... Yeah. If they want to be human for a little bit, they'll say anything to get in there. Because like, you know, it's don't worry, it's going to be cool. I got a really great message for you. Um, and then they just stick around. Right. And then you don't know if you can get that entity to release you, yourself. And I think you know, I'd rather be in control and not have to worry about that kind of possibility. And, you know, the possibility exists. You're wanting the very best. But sometimes, like you said, it's an entity that can charm you or fool you and I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not going there <laughs> I'm not doing that so no thanks what I'm interested too is that you know we were talking about like non-human entities that may have, have a desire to manipulate human events or just manipulate humans and mess around with people but right. have you ever talked to a spirit or a, someone that used to be human that's not that doesn't just want to pass along a message but that maybe is trying to manipulate events after they're dead, like they find a medium to talk to or find somebody to talk to. Uh, and we always talk about unfinished business and unfinished business to us is always some kind of injustice that has not been, you know, righted. It's always some, right. some business, you know, that, that kind of thing. Well, what if their unfinished business is something nasty? Have you ever had somebody come through and try to maybe manipulate events or like a dad come through and say to their daughter, you can't marry that guy. He's a dirtbag or something. I did have an occasion, and not too long ago, where a very, very beautiful woman came to an event, and she was in her 80s, and she looked like she was a movie star. She looked like something from the 30s. She was very beautiful. And I knew it wasn't surgical. I knew it wasn't. And she sat across from me, scrutinizing everything I did. And when I would say something, she would say, oh, lucky guess. And I saved her for last, and she said to me, why did you do that? And I said, "Well." I just felt that I'd like you to see my work and I would come to the very end. Well, I brought back her mother and I got the name. The name was Joya. That was her mother. And I got her mother's month and day of birth. And she became furious. And I knew why. And I said, you know, I think you made a deal with somebody to be as beautiful as you are. And she looked at me. I said, because you look like something out of a movie from the 30s. She was very, very striking, beautiful. And out of her mouth, she began to say, there is no soul. And it was in a very deep, guttural voice. And I knew what that was. And the rest of the room knew what that was. And she was trying to change the event so that I couldn't get the messages out to the other guests. And that's why I saved her for last. So I stood up and I made the sign of the cross. And I said, you know, I said, it's not very nice to meet you. I said, but I think that we're finished. And I, I wish you all the best. And one of the gentlemen at the event walked me out to the car and he said, what the heck was that? I said, well, what do you think? And he said, I think she was the devil. I said, well, could be connected to that. But her intention was to spoil the event 
that I couldn't give messages to other people that were participants, but I kind of knew that, and that's why I waited until the end. So I am going to say there are evil entities out there that want to influence the way of the world. They want to influence mankind. They want to incite wars. They want to incite all kinds of unrest, and they don't want peace. So we have to really be cognizant as light workers to try to avoid that situation and to give our message, which is always a message of hope and life eternal. Well, that's a great story. If it's a little scary, uh, when the old lady Mm -hmm. says, like, there is no soul, you're like, okay. That's what she said. All right, everybody. Thanks for coming. Have have a really great night. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, wow. Oh, that's a cool story. I mean, it's a, you know, a disturbing story, but it's 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 very interesting. Well, I had message. Yeah. I've really enjoyed like learning the different, you know, I'm always interested in the different ways that these things appear to people and the physicality of it and like how you receive messages and also I'm always interested in people's origin stories and and how they got you know, how, how they got established the journey, how they make it, right? Yeah, and, and just and just how they went from being a regular person. And that, I mean, the the regular hero, the working man hero is a great, but right. a, a regular person to, you know, someone who has these kind of connections. And I think the last question, I'm just interested in, like, a sample of what you're hearing right now. Not necessarily about me or anything like that, but in general, when you close your eyes and think, like, like who's talking to you besides me? Is there anybody talking to you right now? Well, I was about to ask you, um, did you know your um, grandmothers? Are they still here? Your father's mother and your mother's mother? Did you know them? Are they still on the earth plane? No, they're they're gone. All right. Did you know your mother's mother's mother at all? Uh, my great-grandmother? I know your mom's mother, like your, your, your nana, your grandmother. Did you know your mother's just briefly? Just for a year. I was, I, she all died, right. I think, a couple of years after I was born. All right, I'm sorry for your loss. Um, she keeps talking about a set of twins. Does somebody have twins in your family? Are there a set of children that are twins yet? Not yet. Okay, do you have children yourself? Yeah, I, I do have a child myself. Oh, Just, how wonderful. How old is your little one? Uh, seven and a half months. I love you, baby. How beautiful. All right, well, she's showing me there could be girl twins in your family. So she says, and red hair. Does somebody have reddish hair in your life at all? Well, that's a that's a good call because uh, she does have reddish hair. The baby does have yeah. Beautiful. Okay, and um, she does say Mary. Do you have a Mary or a Marie around your family at all? Not that I can think of. All right. Well, this grandmother shows me Mary. I would take it if there's not a person with that name. I would take it to be the Blessed Mother. Um, was your um, do you recall, do you know if your grandmother was a spiritual woman when she was here on the earth plane? Oh, certainly was. Okay. Well, she's showing me a little statue of the Madonna. And then um, she gives me the letter R. Does someone have the letter R in their name around you? That's my first name. Actually, is Robert. Okay. I knew, I knew you as Mike, so thank you. She says, show the letter R. and. Um, She's asking for um, December. Do you have a connection to the month of December at all? Is it a birthday, an anniversary, a passing? Uh, now that I'm on the spot, I can't, <laughs> I can't think of no, anything, that's okay. anything, that's okay. anything particularly that's, in December. That's right. But she says the twins that are coming. 
we'll have a connection to December. And then she says, Francis, is someone named Frank or Francis in your life or hers? Mm, not Francis, or not, not that I know of. There may be somebody in her, in her life, but not, not that. Okay. Uh, sure. That's okay. She showed me St. Francis of Assisi, and that's often um, an animal lover. It could be the name of a church or a school. What nationality was your mother's mother? Uh, Polish. All right, thank you. And she's showing me um, a Polish gentleman, St. Stanislaus. I don't know what his uh, sainthood meaning is, but he's a, a saint from Poland many years ago. She says, show St. Francis of Assisi and show St. Stanislaus. So you might ask your family. And she says, Anne, Anna, do you have an Anne or an Anna in, in her life, do you know? Well, my daughter is named after her, and her okay. name is Adeline. All right, I got Anne, Anna. So this lady knows your lovely Nana, knows about the baby that John has blessed your family, and she has kind of reddish hair. Did the baby have an angel's kiss, a little pink mark on her? Did you notice any kind of little pink birthmark on her head, her shoulder, her neck? Did you happen to notice that at all? I think on her shoulder. Okay, that's called an angel's kiss, and some people call it a stork bite. And what that means is that your loved one on the other side kissed the baby before the baby came to you. So it's an angel's kiss. It doesn't usually stay. It will disappear, you know, um, in the next few months. And then she keeps showing me green eyes. Does someone have green eyes around you at all? I hope it's not my wife and I don't remember it. No, she's got blue eyes. I'm just kidding. Uh... Okay. She shows me green eyes. And she shows me Valentine's Day, February 14th. Does that day mean anything other than February 14th, the Valentine connection? Does it mean anything other than that? Not that I can think of. All right, so between Valentine's and Christmas, she says, show the news of the twin girls. And she's telling me one more thing. Why does she show me August? Do you have a connection to August at all, the month of August? Uh... No. Could be financial. Could be financial. There could be more money around you. And I'm seeing dollar signs. And then she gives me, someone has her ring. Did someone keep a ring that was connected to this grandmother? Do you know? Does Uh, your mother have it? Yes. My mother has her uh, wedding ring. All right. So does she wear it? Do you know? Yes. All right. Well, again, like I had mentioned a little bit earlier, when you wear the jewelry of someone that you love deeply, naturally that keeps their energy. So I think she's just affirming that she knows your mom wears the ring. And, and that usually makes them pretty happy because um, what she says is gone but not forgotten. Do you have anything that says gone but not forgotten? Does your mother have anything with that on it? Um, maybe. Like I, I know that that ring means a lot to my mom and that whenever she loses it, uh, <laughs> everybody freaks out. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to say she says gone but not forgotten. So maybe your so thank you so much my website is linnaestar.com I enjoyed this we'll have to do it again yeah please let me know what comes true and good luck with your career and your beautiful family and I really appreciated the time today yes we definitely will and uh, everybody check out linnaestar.com and you can book her for events and get more I just had a little bit example of the kind of stuff she does on the show and learned about her history so thank you Linnea I hope you have a great week thank you we'll talk soon take care 
Well, that was fun. You know, I've never been read before. Wait, I thought you had a palm reading. Well, once. no, you know, I didn't have a palm reading. And I'll tell you why. It's because I was looking through a book one time on palm reading. And then I looked at my lifeline and it was too short. And so I didn't want to go to a palm reader. <laughs> but you didn't want them to tell you what you already knew? Or? I just didn't want to be scared by it. I was like, I was scared that but, they would say like, oh, your, your lifeline's short. And I'm like, I'm going to die. But you went, you had a psychic reading I, for your birthday one year. Yes, it did go to a psychic in Madison, but she didn't read my palm. Oh, um, okay. But I've, th- that was someone who predicted the future. So I've never had like been read by someone who says they actually talked to dead I people. I see. Okay. This was so, this was somebody who got feelings about your future and the people around you and something that's going to happen gotcha. to you. So this is the first time someone's like, okay, well, I, I think that someone's trying to send you a message. Well, that's exciting. It was. The only other time I ever had something like that was that I interviewed a psychic for our old podcast, and this is years ago before we did it as a band, uh, called Paranormal Wisconsin. And in Paranormal Wisconsin, um, I interviewed a psychic one time and she's like, I, I see a man behind you smoking a cigar and wearing a top hat. That's kind of yeah. awesome. <laughs> and I was like, that's interesting. I'm like, that's- I wonder who that was. Well, you know, when I was doing the interview, I was smoking a cigar at the time. And I'm like, oh. But then I'm thinking, can she hear me like, you know, puff in or something yeah. like that? Uh, either way, Linnea's reading was much more accurate, I think. Cool. And it wasn't as uh, scary as a man with a cigar and a top hat <laughs> behind me. Like, what? He's behind me. What's he doing behind oh, maybe, me? Maybe he's waiting for you to join him. Have a smoke with them. Maybe he was. You know, at the time I was trying to think of it because my, my grandfather smoked cigars on my mother's side. And so I was oh. hoping that it was, oh, maybe my grandfather was looking out for me or something. That's cool. So, yeah. But so Linnea, a really nice lady. I think that she's got a really positive message too. And she finds a way to integrate her spiritualism with Catholicism. So you don't even have to worry that you're <laughs> betraying the Pope when you get oh, read by her. Lovely. So, no, she was a lot of fun. And uh, make sure you check out her website. And actually, on Facebook, I see all the time, uh, now that we're friends on Facebook, she's she's putting stuff like her when her predictions come true. And well, that's that's really cool. That's interesting. So, I, I like that. She's, she's putting all her, like, it's a lot of baby predictions and stuff. But uh, since I'm a recent father, I like seeing baby stuff now in a way that I yeah, may have not before. So I enjoy it. So thank you, Linnea, for joining us. Make sure you check out our website if you're interested in that kind of psychic medium business. So Linnea Starr has a gift that I think we all wish we had, and that's talking to dead people. Mm, Indeed. But one of her messages that I like is the message that like love survives death. And not necessarily, it doesn't have to be romantic love. It doesn't have to be, you know, sexual love or the, you know, the, the, the things that we think of as like the strong Romeo and Juliet love. It can just be the love of one person for another or affection or the, the idea that somebody uh, might be gone from this world, but they still think about you in a nice way and they love you from beyond. Mm, that's um, nice. And that ties in well to our song, The Price. Ah, and, you know, the, the Price, I think, came from... Um, I read somewhere that like all art is basically just about two things, sex and death. <laughs> and, okay. <laughs> well, and, and that's because um, they're intrinsically tied together from an evolutionary standpoint. Because if we are all single-celled organisms that reproduced asexually, like single-celled organisms don't just die. Yeah. 
right? They, they, as long as the cell survives, they're alive, they hang around. And so the idea is that evolving to a point where we required the fact that we had love. And so in order to have love, we have to have death. And so uh-huh. that leads into each other. And, and the idea of the price is that even though we do die, it's worth it because in the end, we get to love somebody and that makes it okay.
would be no love without love that be no you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. No episode of See You on the Other Side podcast is ever complete before we thank our Patreon members. Exactly. So thank you, Patreon members. You're great. And we had a really fun Patreon hangout last week. We did. We talked about everything from the ghosts of the University of Wisconsin to ghosts of the Circus Museum and the end of the Ringling Brothers Circus. And I had a special show and tell paranormal object. You did. Wendy <laughs> Wendy had a special object that she found. And uh, we had like ca- castles and wineries. And, yeah. and really, it was a an all-encompassing paranormal conversation. And I wanted it to just keep going, in fact. We could have kept on going, but all good things must come to an oh. end. But the thing is, we're going to do another one, and we want you to join us for our next one. Yeah. And the way to do that is to check out othersidepodcast.com slash donate, and that goes to our Patreon campaign. And our Patreon campaign is we keep uh, going on videos and podcasts and blog posts and paranormal newsletters and songs every week it's a great place for you to check out and of course a special shout out to dr ned thank you so much for your support and for pledging us at the level where you get a special shout out every week thank you very much ned we absolutely appreciate it and we also appreciate every single one of our patreons we will see you in person at the next hang well in person virtually at the next hangout and hope that we can see all of you in person sometime at a sunspot show or a paranormal convention once again check yes. that out othersidepodcast.com slash donate thanks for listening see you on the other side tell them thank you for all the treats